20 years ago, the luminaries of the film world descended on France for the 2001 Cannes Film Festival. Around two dozen elite filmmakers gathered to debut films and compete for the coveted Palme d'Or. Jean-Luc Godard debuted a new film. David Lynch premiered Mulholland Drive. But also making its debut was a movie that would change animated films forever. That movie was Shrek. That's right. The quirky animated film about the big green ogre falling in love with a princess. So it didn't win any awards at Cannes. But audiences loved it. The groundbreaking computer animation techniques and the slightly subversive plot set a new standard. And that year, Shrek won the very first ever Academy Award for an animated film. And today, I'm taking you to visit one of the movie's stars at their home. No, I don't have any treats for you. I know you really, really want whatever's in my pockets, but there's nothing in there. Here's a clue. I'm not visiting Mike Myers. No, Perry. That's my shirt. No, no, no. I'm Annie Eubank, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're taking you to a park in Palo Alto, California, home of the world's most famous donkey. Right after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. So I'm actually here at Bull Park in Palo Alto. And it's a very typical Bay Area park. There are people striding through, having their end-of-day walks. There's a lot of bikers. But most Bay Area parks don't have donkeys, and most Bay Area parks don't have the most famous donkey on Earth, who is currently furiously licking my hand, looking for treats. If you've been in a coma for the last 20 years and you don't already know, 
Shrek is the DreamWorks Studio fairytale franchise, with Mike Myers voicing a cranky ogre living in a magical kingdom. The film was designed to be a parody of squeaky clean Disney movies, so there's fart jokes galore and a love story where the happy ending means transforming the beautiful princess into an ogre instead of vice versa. But there's one thing that this movie kept traditional. Every fairy tale hero needs a best friend. Only a true friend would be that truly honest. Listen, little donkey, take a look at me. What am I? Uh... Really tall? No! I'm an ogre! You know, grab your torch and pitchforks. Doesn't that bother you? Nope. Really? But Donkey's more than a sidekick. He's basically a foil for Shrek, who's a grumpy loner. Donkey talks... a lot. And cracks jokes and causes trouble and hooks up with a dragon a hundred times bigger than he is. Eddie Murphy's voice acting and ad-libbing made Donkey iconic. At the time, Shrek stunned audiences. Because as dated as the movie looks today, it was cutting edge when it came to digitally animating soft, squishy things. Like clouds and fur and people. All of these things took custom programs to produce. But even though a lot of the work was done on computers, animators still needed real-life inspiration for the characters. There was plenty of tape from actors like Mike Myers, Cameron Diaz, and Eddie Murphy. But there weren't too many donkeys running around at Pacific Data Images, the Bay Area company that DreamWorks tapped to do their computer animation. So employees set out to find one. Luckily, they found a donkey living nearby, in Barron Park. Perry is a miniature donkey. So he's, and he's kind of large on the miniature donkey scale. He's three feet at the shoulder, um, but he's got a really big personality. This is Jenny Karabati and she's the head volunteer for the Barron Park Donkey Project. They take care of Perry and another donkey named Buddy, who live together in this park. When I call Jenny, I catch her at a really bad time. Her car has broken down, and she hasn't packed yet for the international trip she's leaving on in the morning. But the donkeys are always calming, so that's okay. There have been donkeys in this area since the 1930s. A Dutch physicist who lived nearby started buying pet donkeys to entertain his six kids. And neighbors started helping to care for the donkeys. Eventually, they even bought new ones, even after the physicist and his wife died. In fact, this whole neighborhood ended up buying the donkey pasture from that family and turned it into a park in their honor. When Shrek's animators came looking for a model, the park was home to two donkeys, Niner who arrived in 1998, and Perry, who had arrived the year before. Um, the story is that they actually had come for Niner, but he, um, from what I've heard, he was chewing on the director's boots and was not interested in anybody, he kept wandering away. He, was, he, he sort of thought of himself as an elite person. And here was five-year-old Suki Perry, um, much sillier looking and much more full of personality, I think, in that way. And so I think he was a perfect perfect match. I think it would have been a very different movie if they'd used Niner. The animators, Jenny says, stuck around for about a week 
and captured Perry's movements using reflective dots for animating Donkey back at the studio. Oh, people come by all the time and they'll say, oh, he really does look like Donkey, which is very funny because of course he looks like Donkey because Donkey is him. The, the certain way that Donkey sort of throws his head back and he kind of rolls his eyes and looks down his nose at Shrek and he'll say, Shrek! And Perry does exactly that. I think that Eddie Murphy just channeled Perry, frankly. Hey, Perry. Oh, hi. <laughs> the day I visit, Perry is hanging out at the front of his pen, letting me get a really good look at him. Perry does really look like the stereotypical donkey, except he's about half the size that you'd expect. He only goes up to about my waist, and he's very round. He has a little fuzzy mohawk on top of his head that I'm petting right now. And two huge ears. No, I don't have anything. Oh. You're trying to go for, that's the third time you've tried to go for my pockets. <laughs> I know. You look hungry. You hope I have treats in there. I don't have any treats. Perry came to Barron Park when he was just a few years old. He's now 27. And while his days are mostly peaceful, he's definitely seen some tough times in his life. I think it was maybe in 2012. Um, but yeah, he, a dog got into the pasture. There are no people or dogs allowed in the pasture. Um, but a German Shepherd dog got in and was not well controlled by its owner and attacked Perry. Perry ended up with a chunk of skin torn off his head and his legs sliced up. If that's not bad enough, the same dog escaped from his yard a few weeks later and attacked Perry again. Um, Perry spent about 10 days in the bad hospital, but he's all better now. Perry can't eat hay anymore because he ended up with a lot of teeth missing after that second attack. That particular dog was ordered out of the city of Palo Alto, by the way. Perry's also outlived a lot of the other donkeys who've lived with him at the park. He's, he's lost four, three companions now. You know, he's a pretty tough little donkey. I mean, he, he was really sad when, um, when Jenny died. Jenny, the human, says that Jenny, the donkey, was Perry's true love. But he seems to like Buddy, who arrived last winter at the ripe old age of 31. Buddy's kind of a nice chocolate brown. Ooh, he's very soft. Hey, buddy boy. Buddy, buddy boy. As I watch, Buddy trails one step behind Perry, like a little butler. Perry swats at him sometimes, but in a grumpy, loving kind of way. After I spend an hour at the pen... Perry keeps furiously banging his front hoof on the fence. I know, you want, you want dinner. Buddy's just kind of watching. Yeah, I know, Perry's... Perry's the troublemaker. Then a very tall man walks up and slips through the bars. The donkeys get really, really excited. And they make the first noises I've heard all day. I know, buddy. Are you guys ready for dinner? Buddy. 
Perry is so hungry, he's going for the mic. Uh, yeah, Volunteer Tim Biglow is on dinner duty. He invites me through the fence to watch him feed the donkeys. I would, I'd love to. Should okay. I just slide through? You can slide through? Okay. Tim's a musician, and as he feeds the donkeys, he sings little songs about them. Perry, come please, oh Perry, Perry, come please. Perry, come please, oh Perry, Perry, come please. That's about Is it, it effective? Yeah. Watching Tim carefully mash up grass pellets and donkey food with warm water to feed them, you can really see how they're the beloved pets of a whole neighborhood. Jenny told me that when one of the donkeys died a few years ago, 125 people came to a memorial service for him. The mayor gave a eulogy. These people really love their donkeys. Is that good, buddy? Is that good? You like that? Is that good? Mm. Oh, you're licking the bowl. After the donkeys slurp up their dinner, they wander off into the eucalyptus trees on the other side of their huge pen. As the wind from the bay picks up, it's time for me to head home, too. I wave goodbye to Tim and start walking back to my car. Thank you so much. Thank I you. super appreciate nice it. Nice to meet you. Take care. Cheers. Out through the fence. It's funny, Jenny told me that she finds the donkeys really calming. And to be honest, I'm feeling it. I had a really stressful day. I've been running around trying to do 12 things at once. And this is just so nice. It's cool and shady. The donkeys are incredibly friendly. This is the most relaxed I've been all week. Thanks, Perry. If you want to go visit Perry and Buddy, you can visit atlasobscura.com, and we'll tell you how to get there. If you'd like to throw a little green their way, there's a donation link on barrenparkdonkeys.org. That's B-A-R-R-O-N, by the way. The link is in the episode show notes. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Dylan Thuris, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Chilenya Onike, Maddie Weinberg, Camille Mojica, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. I'm Annie Eubank, and I'll see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable, 
and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. 